In the background there roiled a dark sea, the assembly of the depressed, the persecuted, the suffering. There was no holy mountain in the shadow of which this great assembly gathered. They stood before a void of blackness. They gazed into the void, but without faces and without colour. Grey, cold, and though ranged together in numbers like loosely organised regiments, they were each alone. These prisoners stared at me with the face of a great emptiness, and my soul recoiled before them, as before a horrible enigma. Gilles Alain and I walked through the gates of Drancy together, with the 800 released prisoners, Gilles Alain leaning like a leaden effigy on my arm. Gilles Alain was a walking death. He did not know it. Do the dying ever know it? It was as if the months of our suffering in the camp had blinded us to the severity of our sickness. Dysentery, more or less untreated, is a deadly contagion. I felt this in myself and saw it in others' sunken black eyes. Yet just the night before, in the darkness of my barracks, lying on the straw-strewn floor, I had somehow passed through the worst of that horrible illness. Health is a miracle. Like all miracles, one does not experience its miraculous character, except, first, when it is gone in its horrible absence, and second, when and if one is lucky enough to experience its restoration. And then the fragmentary agony of illness becomes the dream, an unreality, a memory. Two short little uh, excerpts there from William Hackett's 2020 one novella uh, outside the gates which was kindly sent to me by angelico press so a big thank you to them um hackett is writing here under the name wc hackett but um many of you will uh recognize the name from two discussions that uh, have been on the podcast with with uh william or chris uh one on the philosophy of stanislas breton and the other one, um, on the philosophy and life of Jean Val. And this is what this book is about. It's a theory fiction. Um, it's not solely fictional, but uh, it's a, a retelling, uh, in Hackett's own words, of uh, the, the, uh, a certain fairly small time frame within Jean Val's real life. Um, so for those that don't know, Jean Val um, was a French philosopher and he was a Jew interned at the Drancy internment camp, which was northeast of Paris, um, and then escaped. So this book, interestingly, is about Val's escape and it, and it begins um, immediately at that juncture which is really where the analysis of this book begins, is that we begin with uh, a literary negation. So, you know, often the trope or the dramatized moment of, of the opening of the gates, to refer sort of to the title here, outside the gates, the opening of the gates, this sort of... Um, presupposed catharsis that that arrives from 
uh, escape or exit or, or leaving the cave in philosophical terms um, and, and, and in real and realistic terms the possible presupposed catharsis of hearing a story of a world war ii escapee from an internment camp would um i think personally would presume emotions of catharsis and joy and uh, um of um the opposite of what is afforded to us and it's in this way that we be- that the, the the novella immediately begins to draw Weil's philosophy straight into the text in that um in literary form transcendence the beyond imminence and change which are key um key factors within Weil's philosophy and i would recommend everyone to go listen to the episode on Weil after this are immediately brought in to this to this first moment so the first moment is Weil and his friend uh, Gilles uh, I'm probably mispronouncing Alain. I don't know if it's Elaine, but Gilles, Gilles Elaine, Gilles Alain. So apologies for that mispronunciation. But um, Val and his friend Gilles are escaping. So we're given, we're given the literary peak immediately, and it's negated immediately and sort of thrown back into like the Heraclitean River by the fact of as soon as they leave what actually happens is like they're outside the gates they escape what happens is uh, an acknowledgement of of a transformation of of forms within the body so an acknowledgement of that which has been in the background because there has been a something sort of greater at stake and now you're outside the gates and what happens isn't this catharsis it's a continuation of the valian in between so he's always in between going beyond the human and and to two forms of two forms of trans transcendence transcendence as movement so the way humans reach beyond themselves and the transcendence as end that which transcends the human and so what we see here is two forms of that in the sense that um the end is not given to us, so we actually begin at a presupposed literary end of escape. So we're not afforded anything immediately. So we're thrown into the same, um, the same existential confusion as Val and Alan, in the sense that nothing is afforded to them that perhaps one would have hoped for. But equally with that comes the transcendence as movement, in the sense that. Um, the, the human subject reach beyond itself because they're now just immediately within the next stage, which is to do with the fact Gilles is extremely, extremely ill to the point where, like, until they, like, they just have to keep going till they get to a point where they can sit down and he he is uh, so ill and tired that he um, falls asleep under the, under, with snow just falling on him under a tree. And um, so they escape from, from Johnson were immediately within, like, something which ha- has changed but hasn't changed which is an in-between uh and peaks are constantly negated there is no the, any ascension is often mirrored with its inherent descension so like any possible um you know the, the, for instance the novella is uh peppered tactically with moments wherein there are um, glorious descriptions of traditional French food 
and they're, they're des described in such a way as to um, contrast as a polarity the suffering, dirtiness, illness of the world and of Val and Gilles, who are emphasized as being these sort of extremely ill, extremely dirty people at this time. Um, and it's contrasted with the food. And so none of these moments of existential catharsis where human beings might be able to anchor themselves as selves and say this is the position that we are now within as as uh, as beings like we've moved from this now to this now to this this isn't afforded to us and so um there is a certain sense of to get sort of philosophical as it is a philosophical novel novella there is a certain sense of heideggerian time from the start in the sense that the past is being pushed in front of them so i'll get to one reason that's happening and the future is pushing them from behind so the one reason that the past is always um past isn't behind them in the heideggerian sense for the heideggerian sense you're always pushing the past in front of you because what's happened you are pushing through the memory which is in front of you and the future pushes you because uh that's where you're heading towards so that's actually what's causing the trajectory and for hack uh, for well the way Hackett writes it and for Val, there is a um uh a nazi I guess commander and leader of Drancy uh, internment camp, camp who is uh, sort of extremely malicious, uh, sort of a natural, natural evil in a way, uh, Theodore Danica. And Danica is for Val and Gilles the, the past which is in front of them. He is, a, he is a haunt from the beginning of the novel. He's haunting and underlying all experience is he, he as a possible... Um, uh, attack a possible um, yeah a possible basically the a literal haunt in which the majority of their movements he is behind the scenes as a possibility as uh, the negative possibility which will um, entail further suffering he is on them they are uh, they they existentially they have become within the space that they are allowed until they get to the free zone which is where they're really heading throughout the novella he acts as the 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 antagonist that is controlling their movements is controlling them and so everything ends up merging into something where there isn't an anchor point and everything just keeps moving keeps moving um i've got a fair few extracts that i'd like to read because it's extremely well written um in the mirror was a man death warmed up as the soldiers in the trenches say to one another i did not know this man he spoke his words were strange but they felt i feel as if they were a key and if only i knew where to place the key but i did i do not he spoke in hieroglyphs what is a dream he demanded a response could not answer, shocked as I was into a deranged silence. The man smiled. This question is impossible to answer, he said, for even if the dreamer knows that he is dreaming, this knowledge, this awakening, as it were, is only an element within the dream. It, it too, is illusion, composed wholly of dream material. Even in dreams there is much reality. Reality, one could say, is the very stuff of dreams. Dreams are not reality, and yet reality is all they are. 
Dreams of the falsehood, one could say, of reality. The man's words were cold and clear, like the depths of water bending tree limbs that fall into them. He continued, To awaken is to pass from sleep to another state. It is to pass from one world to another. Which way does the waking go? Which world is the false pendant of the other? Who can decide between them? The man gazed at me, a mocking look in his eyes. When I opened my eyes to feel the weight of my body pressing me, holding me, riveting me to this heavy, fragile world of struggle and death, of ignorance and endless frenzy and distraction, am I awake? Or does the waking go in the other direction, through the dream, beyond forgetting and the wall of silence, into the dreamless, into what is real? Who can decide between them? And so in much the same way that um, Danica is um, the, in a way, empirical haunt of Arlon and Val's movement, their impetus towards having to escape at all, this um, vindictive maliciousness which wants to existentially destroy them simply for, for something for something hidden in, in, in their nature, in a way. This beginning of, for this is uh, chapter five called The Vision, you know, in the mirror was a man. This is a recurrent theme throughout the novella, which internally doesn't necessarily split, but fragments Val's character into um, an ongoing discussion of uh, reality and unreality, and in that way, uh, back to transcendence of movement going beyond the human and transcendence as end. So the discussion of who and what it is that is going somewhere and who and what it is that might be going beyond itself. And in this way, uh, the, there is a lot of polarity within the novella in the sense of suffering and health, uh, dirtiness and cleanliness, and also self and unself of, of trying to hold on to um, who it is that is eventually going to be there at the end. Once again, that Heideggerian notion of pushing a past self forward with someone else. And there's a section that I'll read out later that gets into this with respect to death. But to continue with the plot, they've escaped. There's scenes of bread and nourishment and of, of reminders of life. But they are, of course, drawn into uh, a world which has which is suddenly acknowledged by both uh, Val and Alan as just being ill. This world is gone. It's ill. And, um, you know, the pains of the body, the reality of the body comes back. Uh, the hotel which they eventually end up in is this uh, sort of a cold comfort in a way. The comforts are given to them, but the comforts are only comforts in the, in their polarity against the aches of the body, the hungers, and also the the, the absolute uncertainty and paranoia of the moment. Uh, all the while this novel is going on, there is an inherent understanding that nothing is standing still. Everything is merged. Everything is uh, almost... Um, to, to draw on like the atomists actually uh, a good way to think about this novella is 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 one of the the atomists understanding of like looking at your hand and realizing that uh, this is quite an abstract way to look at it but looking at your hand and realizing like that your finger is made up of atoms but that doesn't mean that the the middle section it doesn't mean there's nothing there and so all of this is merging in a sense that is exactly how i felt reading this novella in that everything is intermingling with everything else which denies 
denies an anchor, denies anything to hold on to, which itself begets more uncertainty, more paranoia, because you as a, you as a reader entering into Val's mind have that inherent understanding that, that, that there is... What is it that Val is trying to cling to? What is it that he's, he's like managing to hold on to amidst this uh, in-between, amidst these polarities where everything's merging, amidst this paranoia, amidst this uncertain future? What is it that he manages to hold on to? And I would actually say that what he manages to hold on to is the notion of not being able to hold on to anything. He holds on to the question of why does one continue now that that has been acknowledged? And he holds on to the 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 not not some um, stereotypical stoic. I go on, you know, I, I go on because I want to 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 fight something, uh, and also not a Beckettian. I can't go on. I'll go on. Um, it's like a negation of that into the sense that within the Beckettian, I'll go on. I can't go on. I'll go on. Is like this triumph in a way and there is no i don't think there is a triumph in val there is a something being carried and he's interested in in the questions of like what is what is carrying um so with continuing the plot with this with this this polarity of especially the empirical polarity of comfort disease and illness there's these subtle hints of trying to escape the body and not being able to do it it always comes back and then there is the about three or four different flashbacks and one to a sort of an ex-student of Val's from years ago uh, Francois Hung um, who he he thinks back to in in suddenly talking to the student who I believe is originally studying physics and then because of a chat about value and meaning of thought and the purpose of life Hung changes what he's studying because of this. And this in itself allows for an entry of this discussion of the meaning of life, the meaning of what, like that itself is a flashback discussion. Once again, Heideggerian time of the past uh, being in front of you, you know, drawing that forward um, as a way to draw in a discussion of why to continue. But for Val, I believe, the questions aren't stereotypically existential of why why do humans continue forward um, it goes on anyway and in that way you find that in between where the notion of that that stereotypical existential notion of the meaning of life why do we continue on why do we move forward as human beings uh, i would argue in in the, in the normative sense if there can be one is reliant on a uh, uh, at least the presumption or the assumption of a, a teleological moment so there's ah, that 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 you see this in Moby Dick the whale right <laughs> right there's the whale gonna go kill the whale and like the whale is the moment in time drawing everyone towards it Val's thought negates that and it's the question of and the book negates that so it's the question of what to do when that will not be you know you, you aren't you aren't moving point to point to point you aren't moving from one river river to separate river to separate river to separate river you're stood in the same river um it's taking heraclitus as, as at his word amidst suffering and death um so there is this it's a it's um it's a valian nomadic novel where where nomad nomadism the points of nomadism dissipate upon arrival. 
Um, and then eventually, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. They are uh, a woman, Alice Carbon, uh, helps comes to help them escape sort of via revolutionary, you know, French revolutionary means at the time. Um, Val has been proclaimed public enemy to be shot on sight. And at this point, the Danica suddenly are like, oh yeah, Danica, like that's what's been in the background. That is what's upstream. That is what's in this water and keeps sort of tapping against, you know, you could say the legs of Olon and Val is this notion of a sort of malevolent evil that, that there is no reasoning with. There's no rationality here that could be utilized to transform this situation into something else. And so it's just, it's a, just movement. Movement away from that because there's nothing else that can be done with it. You know what? What is to be done with life when the rationality and those anchor points are removed, which are rationality? That's the question. Um, time keeps passing. Time becomes almost indiscernible at this point. Just sleeping in vague hotel rooms, occasionally having to move from place to place, and and constantly around strangers who, because of the the time, of course, in World War Two, where you're if you were. If you were hiding a Jew, I mean, you were going to be killed as well. So it's it's everyone, everyone and everywhere becomes foreign and a stranger. So Val is, of course, go meet this stranger and they will give you some vague, vague enough that they can't be deciphered by, you know, the Nazis instructions to where to go and go to this random hotel room with some other strangers that you don't know and just be fed by random people. And, and uh, um, everything is foreign, even on sort of in France, everything is foreign. Um, eventually they um, get some get some instructions about where to meet, where to go to uh, a car, and also at this point it's it's key to point out that a lot of uh, where Val is sleeping for a fair amount of the novella is on a psychoanalyst's couch, which is a, a little little sort of nod to the ability of Hackett to to allow that that you know when he when he sort of lays down that's when suddenly a lot of uh, sort of uh, what would you call it uh, free talk happens uh, his mu philosophical musings on the situation however the hotel that they were at Danica does eventually uh, find them and he hits Gillelon while uh, Val is hiding in this impenetrable darkness Danica hits Gillelon uh, on the back of the head kills him and uh, picks him up and carries him into the night um and this this really haunts Val, which I'll get to in a couple of sections. And then eventually, uh, after this scene in the hotel, the there's a few more nights sort of in other places, and then uh, Val and uh, Val escapes to the country, into the border, into the what's called the Libra zone, free zone. And that's that's the basics of the the, the novel. Is is a is a negatively nomadic novel, uh, and I don't try to use nom nomadism in a cheap sense there. Um, I'll read one more section and, and then just dive a bit more. Actually, I'll read it. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll dive into deeper into the themes. Um, so these are. I believe these are possible, actually, quotes from Val, but I'm not sure on that, but it was an incredible section. The buried virtue of your ancients, ancients, is only uncovered by a cultivated awareness, knowledge of a peculiar kind, knowledge of our essential ignorance, which Socrates called wisdom. 
This knowledge is reasoned reflection on the state of illusion that is ours in the world, leading to the stunning recognition that the truth, the unfathomable truth, alone really is. The truth that is beyond our labyrinths of circles, unreachable, hidden, but at the same time everywhere, immediate like the light that is too bright to look at, but illumines all things. Everything derives from it, everything points to it, everything hides it. The one and single-hearted pursuit of ignorance, of the acceptance and affirmation of things as they are, the one who accepts the straight fact that the circle of opposites rules over us, this is the one who already begins to escape the labyrinth, to live bodied life in another peculiar way. He awakens to the knowledge, in other words, that he is dreaming. Birth and death derive from one another, both are within the dream. Both are subject to suffering, to the domination of desire for control, survival and escape. The body is born, the body survives if chance allows it, the body dies. The self, the soul, is what awakens, but not in the body. The soul awakens when the body sleeps. Sleep is like death, passage into another state. And the body, the body suffers. How it suffers. The body is dream reality. The self, the soul, is not. There is reality but this dream is not it. There is reality, and it is the source of the dream, the illusion. To awaken, to leave the body in its sleep, is to be released from life, to pass through the gates, to pass from the illusion of life, which is really death to life, which only appears as death within the dream. The dream self, the body once unlocked and opened, is left behind. It has performed its only real function, to swing open as a gate, and the gate is death the death of illusion. The dreamer cannot awaken himself. He is awoken by another from the other side, from the waking world. And when he is undergoing the process of awakening, the other appears veiled within the dream, first, not even as an alien element, but so well masked that he is not even recognized. But somehow, the recognition happens. This is life acknowledging itself through death, reality becoming aware of itself through dream. <clears throat> so there we see from that the the notion of polarity, the um, the <clears throat> intermingling uh, and the inability or ability to find amidst that uh, whether or not there is illusion, whether or not there is something which can be held on to. And uh, Val, uh, from my memory and understanding of Val's philosophy, the notion of holding on you know, perhaps the notion of grasping um, is is um is a turbulent problem for VAR because once you have it, uh, it probably enters into that notion of illusion because you're you're in a way you're entering into one side of a polarity, and so you know if you hold on to suffering, then you are only you're only holding on to one side of polarity, but you're equally only holding on to one side of the transcendent. Uh, forms that Val affords us in his philosophy. So some sort of teleology where you're holding on to that and ignoring uh, that, that passage of the body as it as it seeks to uh, retain a function for you as you move move forward as transcendence of, of movement. So there is an inability and ability both at the same time. There is a uh, often a collapsing of polarity into a middle space, a collapsing of dualism possibly, uh, into a middle space which, as we can see, amidst... Hackett's utilization of the form of uh, literary writing alongside uh, a real moment, uh, a real passage of time, 
within Val's life, how that passage of time can be understood in the Valian sense as, you know, full of confusion, paranoia, interspersion, and uh, Heraclitian movement, um, how from that, the the notion of perhaps a certainty, the notion of the, the certainty of movement comes from a question and not from, uh, not from, really not from, it doesn't seem from a self. Uh, self has been lost to something, to, to other forms which are really in control of it at that time. Um, but I'll move through to one final passage and then wrap up. The man changed, staring at me. He had the face now of a child, of the child. In my dream, I tell him, I was an old man, a dying man. And I'm telling a story to a little boy in a room of crowded people. Do you understand? I confess I do not. I only understand death in terms of dream. Or is it life that I understand that way? At the story's end, I breathe my last. It is 1974. I'm in Paris. It is a bright day, but its colours, its life, are dull and distant. A warm wind is blowing through the open window of my apartment. Among the people assembled before me are three beautiful young women, my daughters, and a fourth, still vibrant, still beautiful, my wife, decades younger than myself. They're all listening to me. They think my mind is gone, but it is not true. There is also another presence in the crowded room, little, vital and quiet imperceptible except to those with eyes grown dim to this world, those with eyes that open for the first time and if, as if newly born to the hidden world. This presence stands by a dying man's awkwardly turned head and holds his aged hand. I know I am the old man in the dream, but I am also watching from above. The old man speaks to this little spark of light, this warmth, this tiny epochal truth, as if, together, they are on quite familiar terms. In fact, we had spoken, I felt this. Now I feel this. Many times. Perhaps we spoke in the countless dreams I've forgotten when, following the birth of a morning sun, I crossed the threshold into waking life, day after day. Perhaps the content of these honoric encounters is simply too weighty, too ponderous to contain in this waking world, as if one were try to try to place a mountain inside of a skull. What about the entire range of mountains of which that little mountain is only a tiny fragment? What about the massive, variegated crust of the earth, with its heights and depths, its diverse range of geographical climactic differences, searing heat, burning cold, darkness and light, and the sun system, the galaxy, the universe of which such a large mountain is incomprehensibly far, far less than the slightest perceptible point? I was fathoming these things, gazing into his face, whether like daylight, I recognised something in its features. We, the boy and I, are on familiar, one could say familial terms, continued speaking, enchanted by the words, by the realities into which they bled. The story that is told, as I lay dying, is an ending of sort. Consider it a bedtime story, told by a father to a son. I suggest to the boy, but here, I say, here in the dream, it is the old man who peacefully falls asleep at the end. The little boy whom, my own, whom only I can see laughs. We are no longer in the train car. We are in the words of my story. My apartment, my deathbed, surrounded by faces and wind and light. The boy laughs. And when he laughs, it is almost as if the beloved family and dear friends, faces that I knew, faces that I did not know, but they are all dear to me. The dear ones of a worldly man. 
Along with the room, the busy city outside, the spinning world, the sun and stars, all fade into a soft grey, a cherished memory. But a memory nonetheless. But as they fade, and before each of my deathbed visitors silently, mournfully departs to return to his or her ordinary concerns, each one of their, each one there listens to this whispered story. This story I'm telling. The story of a dying, delirious man, with rapt attention, without moving, almost without breathing. So that ending, well, it's not actually the ending, there's a fair bit to go after that, but the, but the, it's what's odd is endings, beginnings, middles. It's all, it's not, it's not like that. You have the Heideggerian time, but you also have um, what I would be reminded of Poincare's maps. Uh, take a map, draw lines on it, write dates in chronological order of it. Take someone's life, draw it on a, take someone's life and draw it on a handkerchief dates in chronological order as a grid and then screw up the handkerchief fold it all these points begin to meet all the possible peaks transcendences uh, above, belows, sideways all the referential moments of a person's life and their in death and their sufferings and their pleasures and all the polarities seeming polarities of linear time and of dualisms who fold it all up together they begin to intermingle and intersperse and in that way, the, the novel becomes non-linear because the flashbacks seamlessly enter in. The the jumps to a death enter in in that way. And so the novel is a non-linear, nomadically Valian uh, novel or novella. Um, but that's, that's my... Th- thoughts on Hackett's Outside the Gates. Uh, I think it's actually a really great entry to Val's, Jean Val's philosophy is, is quite intuitive to understand, it's quite tough to understand because of this intermingling. Um, and, and just to, it's a really great entry to understand his philosophy on a, uh, in an existential internal sense. So if you were to get into Val, I mean, on, I think this is genuinely a great place to start to see both a little bit of Val's life, a little bit of how his biography um, influences uh, his philosophy, how that would happen, and also just a great novel. So uh, that is Outside the Gates by W.C. Hackett, William Hackett, um, and I'll put links for our other discussions in the uh, description below, and also a link for where you can get the book. Once again, thanks to Angelico, Angelico Press for sending it. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed my chat on Outside the Gates.